0: Welcome to a special edition of the podcast Growing Forward, a project that's all about the cannabis industry here in New Mexico. This is a joint project between New Mexico PBS, the New Mexico Political Report. And uh, we um, took this week off in terms of a regular episode because of Election Day. We knew everybody was going to be focused on that. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Tuesday all about testing and licensing and regulation of the medical cannabis industry and the concerns and issues there when it comes to a potential legal market. Um, But the big news this week was our neighbors to the West, Arizona, voters there actually passed uh, an initiative that made recreational cannabis legal in Arizona. And so that left us wondering what that means for our efforts here. Of course, those in favor of legalizing in New Mexico have been pushing about wanting to be one of the first in our region, uh, largely for tourism dollars, even around people coming into the state and the tax revenues that would be generated by that. And obviously, uh, Arizona being very close, now headed down this path. um, What impact will that have on that if we uh, lawmakers are able to push through that proposal in next year's session Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the timelines, if we're able to do that, how that lines up with Arizona, what led to this in Arizona. And so we turn to Andrew Oxford. He used to work at the Santa Fe New Mexican, but is now at the Arizona Republic. So luckily he had a few moments for us this week. So we thought we'd bring you a special episode, a conversation with him about what the initiative in Arizona looks like, what it would do, and again, how it impacts our efforts here in New Mexico. As you're going to hear, it really sounds like, The clock is definitely ticking for New Mexico now if they wanted this to be the revenue generator that so many are pushing now that Arizona has done that. Of course, Texas does not seem to imminently be uh, moving in that direction, uh, and so there would still be benefit from that tourism aspect there, but Arizona is now going to be off the table as far as that goes before too long. So we just wanted to break it all down for you, and uh, we appreciate Andrew Oxford and his time. They gave up this week, but here now is our hosts of uh, Growing Forward, Andy Lyman of the New Mexico Political Report, and Megan Kamrick. Uh, She is a correspondent here at NMPBS. She's also an on-air host at KUNM Radio, does a lot of freelance work, lots of different places. You're familiar with their voices now from past episodes, but here they are talking to Andrew Oxford about the developments in Arizona this week.
1: We're talking with Andrew Oxford, a reporter with the Arizona Republic. Of course, we're, we're talking to him today because he's he was a, a reporter for the Santa Fe New Mexican. He's covered legislature issues here, and now he's doing the same in, in Arizona. So thanks for talking with us, Andrew.
2: Hey, good to talk with you.
1: Uh, it's, it's nice to see you again after uh, probably, I think it's been years. Um, So I understand that you're not necessarily covering this uh, uh, proposition. I should back up. What we're talking about today is uh, Arizona voters uh, approved, I think, nearly by 60% uh, Proposition 207, which essentially legalizes uh, recreational use cannabis. Um, My understanding is that uh, as soon as March, uh, medical dispensaries can start Selling recreational use cannabis, but the tax issue doesn't go into effect. I think until twenty twenty one. Is that right?
2: Right, and uh, a number of things will begin happening as this as this rolls out. One is you're going to have the existing dispensaries because we do have a medical you know medical marijuana program. The dispensaries are going to be able to sell to anyone, whether or not you're a card holder. Adults twenty one and over. You're also going to have, uh, it'll be legal to grow your own up to six plants at home for personal use. Uh, and if you've been convicted of marijuana possession in the past, you can begin the process of working to expunge those records. Uh, so there are a few different facets to this.
1: So I, uh, I have a story out today kind of examining what sort of impact Legalization in Arizona has on New Mexico. A lot of people are saying, uh, for New Mexico, if we want to legalize it, it needs to happen next spring in the legislative session to sort of stay uh, in in parity with Arizona. Do you have any insights to how how that interplays, given your expertise of New Mexico and Arizona?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that I recall you know when we were covering the legislature there in Santa Fe, uh, one of the arguments that proponents could point to was the potential to attract tourists, people from neighboring states, because Arizona didn't have legal cannabis. Texas certainly didn't. I think there was also this this, expe- this expectation that neither of those states would move necessarily particularly quickly to legalize cannabis. Arizona had a measure uh, to legalize in 2016. It failed at the ballot box, not by a lot, but it it did fail, and I, I think that that probably gave some some folks a sense that if New Mexico could do this, it would be in a good spot right there in between two states where where this wasn't legal. I, I think that that obvious this obviously takes away uh, some of that advantage to New Mexico. There's I don't really think so much that argument anymore that oh you know folks will be coming over from Arizona, um, but you know I think that. Uh, The other thing about how this passed that's really pretty distinct from New Mexico is that this had to go through the ballot box. I I can't see the Arizona legislature approving this, even if Democrats had won a majority, uh, which they didn't, even though they really pushed, have, you know, very narrow margins now. This was something that wasn't going to pass the Arizona legislature. And so this is something that really Arizona is able to do because of its initiative process. New Mexico obviously doesn't have that. And I think that, you know, that means that I don't think it's necessarily a reflection of public attitudes being different in Arizona than in New Mexico. I think it's just a reflection of the uh, political processes being really different and and what the possibilities are for people who want to kind of bypass gridlock in the legislature. Uh,
1: Another issue that uh, we've discussed on our podcast is um, sort of. The, the issue of there's obviously tax revenue opportunities, but then this also sort of uh, social or restorative justice issues. And uh, for those that don't know, New Mexico does have an expungement law, a very new expungement law uh, on the books. Uh, my understanding is that this proposition would also include expungements for previous convictions, right?
2: Yeah, that's really been a big part of the conversation from four years ago to today and a big part of trying to rally together a coalition that could get this proposal over 50% plus one in Arizona, right? Um, Arizona's proposition will allow people to petition to have their records expunged. Now, interestingly, Arizona doesn't really have that process for other laws. This creates that for this, it also allows prosecutors to proactively uh, expunge uh, convictions. So, you know, they can begin this process sort of on a larger scale. If they want to, you've seen the Democratic candidate for county attorney here in Maricopa County, who's been in a pretty competitive race with the uh, Republican incumbent, you know, pledging that she would really make an effort to to work on that issue if she's elected. Um, But that's been a big part of, I think, addressing concerns that legalizing marijuana would really just be a boon for the industry and not necessarily for people who've been adversely impacted by these laws in the past. Uh, it still didn't really satisfy everybody. We did see uh, a number of groups on the left, where actually, you know, probably the most prominently, you know, Lucha, which has been doing a lot of the legwork organizing communities going into this election and has been doing legwork for years on the ground, you know, organizing to stop Joe Arpaio, and really working at a grassroots level in communities. They raised a number of concerns that this just doesn't go far enough in terms of undoing some of the adverse impacts of drug laws in this state. Uh, But I think that the argument from proponents of Prop 207 has been Look, you know, you, we've got the votes this year. This is passing with fifty nine percent right now. We can we can uh, allow people to have this sort of process and expungement. We can get this done and stop the felony prosecutions that we're seeing for you know virtually any amounts of you know any amounts of possessions. So, you know, it certainly didn't please everybody, but it was a big part, I think, of the conversations over the last four years of what needed to change between the two thousand sixteen proposition. And in the 2020 proposition.
3: What did can I ask? What did Lucha and other groups want to see more of in the bill to sort of have a restorative justice kind of bent?
2: Yeah, you know, one of the concerns that we've seen is really over uh, also the way that the licensing is going to be set up. You know, this builds on the state's existing dispensary framework, so the dispensaries that are operating will be able to open their doors and serve people, whether or not they're their cardholders. This proposition will include some additional licenses that are intended for companies that aren't currently in the business. Um, you know, the state's going to have to figure out exactly how those are awarded. This does leave some regulatory discretion to the state. But there's always been this argument looming over this proposition that this still gives dispensary companies that are already here or too much of a monopoly over the market, and so that's been a big, uh, you know, a big criticism against this. I think really on both sides.
3: So the idea is like people who are, who are hurt the most from the drug laws in the past, don't stand to gain from it being legal. That's kind of the argument. Yeah, you're you not, see that in a number
2: of states, right? You know, this this point that um, this is obviously a big industry, and if you're going to allow that industry to expand are you just allowing the existing companies to expand or are you creating opportunities for new businesses new entrepreneurs to come in yeah that's kind of the debate you see in a lot of places right in in arizona was no exception i think there's there's definitely still a concern that this doesn't go far enough to expand the number of people who are actually in the business creating more opportunities for more entrepreneurs um We'll see how this plays out with with the additional licenses. Like I said, it does leave some regulatory discretion to the state. Um, So that obviously didn't satisfy um, everybody. But again, I think the argument again and again from proponents was this is what, you know, this is what we can get this year. Um, So
1: realized uh, I may have missed part of your introduction. So anybody that's just joining us now, just a reminder, we're talking to Andrew Oxford. He's a reporter with uh, the Arizona Republic newspaper in, uh, I, I guess, based out of Phoenix. Is that right, uh,
2: yeah. Andrew? Okay. Beautiful downtown Phoenix.
1: <laughs> I, I have a question about um, uh, sort of the the history of, of these attempts. Um, I, I, my understanding is 2016 was the last time they tried a proposition like this. Um, do you know sort of the breakdown of support or, or opposition geographically in Arizona?
2: Yeah, the, uh, you know, this would, I think long have been seen as a tough sell in Arizona, right? I think Arizona is long considered a socially conservative state in a lot of ways. And so 2016, I think for a lot of people kind of cons- confirmed that this, this failed, like I said, not by a huge margin, but it did fail. And, you know, this year, I think a number of things lined up where the opposition really was not as well organized, not as well funded as obviously the proponents. I don't know that you ever could be considering that the industry, the dispensaries were willing to pour millions of dollars into this, but you still had opposition from uh, socially conservative groups, you know, Center for Arizona Policy, which is a socially conservative, uh, you know, think tank and and advocacy group here in the Valley. Uh, They really, you know, in a lot of ways spearheaded the fight and led the fight against this. Uh, You have, you know, Arizona has a large LDS community and the church has obviously been vocally opposed uh, throughout the years. You've also had, uh, you know, the governor has been pretty clear that he's opposed. Uh, He was, uh, if you Anyone who you know, votes in Arizona, you get a little pamphlet in the mail that has all the arguments for and against every proposition uh, you know, printed up by election officials. And you can read through them. And the governor was in there explaining you know, why he's opposed to this. You could ask him for years. His answer was always the same. He doesn't think Arizona gets any better off by you know, legalizing weed. So you've had a, a lot of the opposition has remained the same. I think some of the opposition that was, was less fierce was, you know, the business community. I didn't see fighting this. Uh, perhaps in a way that opponents would have hoped. This is a big election year. There are a lot of things on the ballot. Control of the Arizona legislature is on the ballot. Uh, A tax measure, it was basically raising taxes for high-income earners to fund education. That was on the ballot. That's really a business community priority. So a lot of that, a lot of those resources were diverted to that in a way from stopping this proposal, which I think in some ways, uh, critics have seen not necessarily as more and more of an inevitability anyways, but as something that is less um, uh, galvanizing as a political issue, maybe, right? As you can see by the numbers, this is passing the 59 60%. This is passing in all but three of Arizona's 15 counties. Um, Wow. This is uh something that is, is I think was going to be increasingly hard to rally opposition against as we have seen other states do this. And I think what that's yeah.
3: Oh no, I'm sorry, I was curious if any of the opponents had argued for it. Was it just like no, 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 or was how about decriminalize? Were there any like interim steps instead of doing full legalization?
2: That's a really good point. You know, one of the main arguments proponents opponents brought forward was that the initiative process was really the wrong way to do this um so if you pass something like this through an initiative in Arizona you're making it very hard to change now proponents that's a good thing right you don't want the Arizona legislature which is going to be controlled by Republicans very likely in the next session to come back and completely change the law we have what's called the Voter Protection Act that says they would need a very large majority in the legislature to be able to do something like that. But opponents said, you know, if there's something about this you don't like, like that licensing scheme or like the expungement process, if you don't think that goes far enough, uh, you're going to have to pass more initiatives. Uh, And so that was really a big part of the argument was, is it a good idea to lock these laws into place to make it really hard to go back and tweak things? This is this is a, a, a sprawling area of policy that touches a bunch of different areas of, uh, of of state government, of policy at different levels. Do you want to lock that in through the ballot box, or would it be better to do something to the legislature? Um, again, opponents would argue. That's a false argument because nothing's going to happen at the legislature. But I, I think that really was the one of the biggest arguments I have heard against it was that you would have, um, uh, you know, fewer options for if you were unhappy with this for changing it in the future.
1: We talked uh, to some lawmakers early on in this project about, you know, obviously you mentioned we don't have a proposition um, measures like Arizona does. It's the constitutional amendments. Even so, anything like that sort of takes some time to work out the kinks, the specifics of it. Uh, I noticed baked into this uh, proposition is a 16% excise tax, and it says to fund public programs. So what else is there for the legislature to sort of debate on? Does that mean that they have to decide where that money goes? What else is there? What other work for the legislature is there going forward?
2: Yeah, well, for one thing, you know, the distribution of a lot of that money is, already determined. I mean, you know, again, part of building the, uh, I I think the support for this going into 2020 was being very clear that a lot of this money uh, that would be raised through legalization would go to public safety, would go to, you know, community colleges, would go to some different areas. Um, And by the way, that's something that also opponents have pointed out is that Technically, if you look at this, this funds the police. This increases funding for the police. Um, but uh, uh, the issue of how, where does the legislature go from here? There are some things left up to the state, and in many ways, more on the regulatory end. Um, you know, for example, the the state Department of Health Services is going to be responsible for these additional licenses. Uh, they're still going to have oversight of. The dispensary program. So, you know, the uh, uh, you're going to have a state government that didn't want to see this proposition pass now responsible for regulating it. And I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, as for how much money does this give the legislature to work with in crafting a budget? Um, You know, obviously proponents were really bullish on the opportunities for this to raise money over time. Uh, Legislators, I think, particularly in the majority where there wasn't a lot of support for this in the first place, had always been more cautious. And it always, I I don't think anyone's necessarily going into this session uh, banking on there being a ton of money from this coming down the chute. Maybe I'll be wrong, maybe, you know, in a few months People will have changed their tune, but like I said, I think you know the, the people writing the budget, by and large, are people who didn't expect this to pass, didn't want it to pass, uh, and I, I I I I don't think they're necessarily uh, counting on this in this budget cycle.
1: Is there room to add additional taxes to it going forward if they meet uh, next year and start discussing this stuff? Do you do or do you see that happening? It's a good question.
2: Um, uh, you know, like I said, you can't, it would be very difficult to go back and tweak what is passed by the voters. Um, if the legislature wanted to pass uh, other taxes that would, that would affect, uh, that would affect this, that's a good question of whether, you know, how and, and where they could do that. Um I think we would have to see. I'd be curious if if that would invite some debate over whether that infringes on what the voters passed. For example, you know, voters voted for sixteen percent. Is it fair to take it up to twenty when they said sixteen percent? You know, we we could have that kind of conversation if if there's a move to dramatically change the numbers.
3: I had a question about you said the regular. So right now, uh, similar to New Mexico, the Department of Health is the main regulatory body, but clearly that that will have to change to some extent if you're going to full recreational or full legalization, I should say?
2: Well, with, uh, it's the Department of Health Services that is going to have to figure out the new licensing system for the licenses to be distributed. Obviously, when it comes to things like you know, enforcement and dealing with you know uh, workplace issues, you know, uh, uh, labor laws, everything like that, this is gonna touch on a bunch of different areas uh, when it comes to things like Zoning and sort of local level issues of where can dispensaries go, how can they operate, you know, that's going to very much be a sort of local government thing. So, yes, it's going to have a lot of principles in the different parts of government, but, uh, you know, probably that big piece right now of deciding where those additional licenses go, that's going to fall to the Department of Health Services.
3: And are the people, the folks writing the budget, they're not anticipating a ton of revenue from legalizing right away because they're seeing expenses of like figuring out the regulatory structure? Is that why they don't think they're going to see a lot of revenue or?
2: Yeah, I, I think part of it is just the getting up, getting you know, set up and running. Um, it's kind of hard to know, you know, what would the demand be? What would the revenue picture be like for something that isn't there yet right uh, and so I I had see I think the official numbers I've been seeing out of, sort of legislative forecast has been fairly conservative hmm. um, and you know I I think it's going to be kind of um, uh, uh, hard to tell where this leaves things going into the first immediate budget it, it could be kind of like what we saw if I recall correctly in some states where it took maybe a little bit of time to see the revenue really pick up with the expansion of businesses as, you know, markets kind of developed and things like that. You know, we could be heading for the same case here. But uh, yeah, I hadn't seen a a huge, you know, uh, push from legislative forecasters that if this passes, this is going to, you know, add this huge chunk of money to what we'll be able to work with next year.
1: Well, I I think that's all the questions I have. Do you have anything else, Megan? Before we let Andy? Yeah, I did go?
3: have a question. Um, just some of the details that still have to be worked out as this passes, like law enforcement issues around driving while high. I mean, people tend to bring this stuff up when we talk about legalizing here. Like, you know, what's that going to look like? <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, I think that's right, and and that was certainly a part of the discussion here too. Was you know what do you do with all these additional all these additional laws um and again that's where it's going to kind of fall to regulatory and rulemaking agencies that are you know already in state government to have to sort a lot of this out uh and how this is actually going to function on a day-to-day level um and i i think that's going to be a kind of to be seen issue because like i said this is a uh uh in administration in, in government per- currently that hadn't supported this passing, I'm interested to see how they approach the process of rolling it out, implementing new policies, procedures, just how permissive or restrictive those might be, uh, you know, and if this comes down to sort of boards and commissions, the same issue, uh, you know, boards and commissions where a lot of the nominees were picked by politicians who did not want this to pass. Uh, and so, you know, I think I think that'll really be the thing to watch going forward is just how much support is there for making this successful, maybe in the way that voters intended and how much of an effort is there through kind of the the administrative levers of the state to maybe pull back on some elements of this and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, pump the brakes a bit.
3: And I I was curious if Lucha and other groups had expressed concerns about some of the data I've seen from Colorado. Is that yes, even though it's legal, the people who are um, perhaps pulled over for I don't know driving while high or something like that still tend to be people of color.
2: Yeah, I think that that, and that's that's exactly the thing. Is you know this argument that this isn't necessarily going to change how police police the communities that have been for a long time really adversely impacted by these laws. Um, you know, it changes what people can be charged with, uh, but it doesn't necessarily change the way that, for example, police might be operating. Um, and, and so, you know, we definitely heard that. I would note that, you know, while groups like Lucha were opposed, I would point out that really their opposition was notably late in the process, I, I don't think it was until early voting was well underway, that I actually saw, you know, ads, and, uh, you know, a push by them. Mm. And obviously, like I said, it's a busy election year, there were a lot of other things that people were working on. But I think on the one hand, it was a sign that there was not a lot of investment in stopping this from the left. Uh, and And uh, attacking some of the, the points that that folks on the left would be satisfied with uh, but at the same time that that criticism has not gone away than that there is still an appetite for you know uh, addressing elements of this proposition as time goes by and addressing how it's implemented as time goes by from the left as well
3: I had one more question Andrew thanks for, I appreciate you giving us your time but yeah. um, we don't have the initiative process here in New Mexico, as you know, because you reported here for many years. Um, but it's interesting, what I'm hearing you say is that once the voters pass this, you can't really, it's hard to go for the lawmakers, many of the lawmakers who have opposed this to go in and tweak. Can they do other things? I'm thinking of the bill in Florida that passed that would have allowed former felons to vote, which was passed by the voters. Um, it was a similar initiative. But the legislature then added this caveat in like, but you have to pay all your outstanding fees, which became a mess because no one could tell them what their fees were. But it hamstrung something the voters had approved. So is there any way that could happen in Arizona?
2: This is an ongoing kind of issue in Arizona. And I, I, you know, I cover politics, not uh, drug policy. So I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by exactly what you talked about. Yeah, I think that there is a long conversation to be had after Tuesday about how you saw progressive policies passing at the ballot box in places where progressive candidates would not do well. Uh, And, you know, maybe Arizona is a case in point in that. This is passing a lot better than Joe Biden did. And I know you can argue whether or not this is a progressive policy per se or a libertarian policy or whatever you want to call it. But the ballot box is really... Crucial to all of this happening. And there, you know, you've been seeing groups working for years in Arizona to use the ballot box to get around the legislature, which has long resisted things like this, as well as, you know, this is how Arizona raised the minimum wage. It wasn't the Republican controlled legislature raising the minimum wage here. It was voters of the ballot box doing it. Uh, and so that has really sparked. A push by a lot of Republican lawmakers and by business groups to try and limit the the initiative process as much as possible. You've seen a lot of proposals, for one thing, to make it a lot harder to get things on the ballot. There was one proposal, for example, that uh, you would have to get signatures, not just a certain number of signatures, but that a certain number in a certain number of counties. Uh, So you couldn't, you know, it, it would become almost impossibly expensive to fan out across the state and be able to get signatures across the map. You've seen a lot of efforts like that to make the initiative process harder, uh, to make laws expire after they're passed, after a certain number of years, uh, things like that. And then on the back end, when things pass, you've seen the legislature sometimes push to see how far can they really get in changing what it was the voters passed to go more their way or to to fit more in what they would rather do. And, you know, that often ends up, you know, that'll end up in court. I'm sure there will be some legal fights over what this really looks like, how this is really implemented, what the legislature can really say about this. Uh, That'll end up in court. And that's exactly why we have, you know, we call it the Voter Protection Act. It's the Mm. law that says you're going to need a large majority in the legislature to be able to change what it was the voters passed, because this has been such a fight over the years uh, with the legislature trying to go back and, and, and tweak the language of these initiatives.
1: How much power do counties have to maybe zone out these sort of things or to make themselves sort of a dry county? You see that with alcohol across the nation where these pockets of counties that don't allow Yeah, alcohol. you
2: see, you know, definitely in local communities, um, often at the town level uh, and city level, you know, real fights over, what zoning should look like for dispensaries, and, and efforts to, you know, keep dispensaries out, move them to certain areas. Um, so again, another area where I would expect to see a lot of, a lot of battles. Um, although, like I said, we already have, you know, this builds on a on a mature, dispensary uh, sort of infrastructure as it is. But uh, I've I, I've seen cities use that those levers of zoning and kind of uh, 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 sort of you know. Regulations over when and where you can do business.
1: <laughs> well, Andrew, uh, thank you so much for taking your time and talking with us. It gives us some good perspective on on sort of how this all plays into New Mexico's um, battle with legalization. Wait, yeah, no, my pleasure. You miss
3: having your reporting in New Mexico, Andrew, but <laughs> yes. I'm glad to talk to I'm you. I so miss seeing you all. So.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thanks.
0: All right, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Andrew Oxford. Again, want to thank him for his time. He's a reporter at the Arizona Republic, but has worked here in New Mexico in the past at the Santa Fe New Mexican. So he's familiar with efforts here to legalize recreational cannabis. And now, of course, his new home state of Arizona, voters there passed a recreational initiative this week. Uh, and so that's going to have a lot of ripple impacts here in New Mexico. We, of course, are following all of those developments, we'll continue to track that, and we'll just put an extra bright spotlight on the issue in the upcoming legislative session. So this is Growing Forward, a podcast all about the cannabis industry in New Mexico. A special episode this week, we'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday again that's on regulation, uh, licensing, all the technical issues that come around this industry uh, and it's complicated. I, I can't even begin to tell you just how complicated it is, but we'll dive into some of that next week for sure. want to encourage you if you haven't already to uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your su- wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there do us a favor. leave us a review, rate the podcast. It really helps us out. We appreciate that very much. We're also working on other episodes coming up. We're going to be looking at um, how the uh, cannabis industry in New Mexico plays out in tribal communities. It's a whole other, uh, a whole other business there and um, equally as complicated. We'll dive into that. We'll also have some odds and ends of things we haven't had a chance to cover. And, of course, we're keeping an eye on 2021 when this will be brought up again in the legislature. Right now, we don't even know how the legislation legislative session will play out, considering we're still in a pandemic. Just a ton of questions left there, but we are keeping track of it and dedicated to following through on the developments as they come. So we encourage you to keep up to date. Uh, you can also... Uh, on our website at nmpbs.org, search for Growing Forward. You can find uh, the podcast there and listen back to past episodes. We've had some really great ones on just such a fascinating topic. Um, it's one thing when you're talking about building an industry from scratch, but an industry like this that covers uh, business, it covers health, it covers so many different areas, it's super complicated, as we've talked about time and time again, but really a fascinating thing to. Uh, follow along with. And so we hope you will listen and share the word, subscribe, rate, and review. And we will be back again on Tuesday. Till then, have a great weekend.